Ezekiel chapter 37, Sunday night through the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, and we come now to chapter uh, 37. If you're with us tonight and you're without a Bible, you will be definitely lost tonight without a Bible, so wave to one of these guys that are coming up the aisles uh, with uh, Bibles, and I'll get one into your hands. If you don't own a Bible, please make that a gift from the Lord uh, to you uh, this evening. It's uh, good to remember that, uh, 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 that Ezekiel, as we've studied even recently here, in Ezekiel chapter 35 was a prophecy of God's utter desolation of Mount Seir or the Edomites. And uh, chapter 36, as we saw uh, last time, a prophecy of the restoration of uh, Israel to the land as, a, as they are in a Babylonian captivity. And, uh, and then in chapter 37, uh, we go into a, a greater detail related to uh, the prophecy in chapter 36 where uh, God declares that uh, the nation of Israel, the children of Israel would not only be restored to the land of Israel, uh, but that they will once again indwell the land and the land will be uh, their own land. They will once again be a nation again. I think even before we get into it, would you just turn and look at uh, verse 14? And I want you to see that phrase. It's certainly worth circling in your Bible. I will put my spirit in you and you shall live and I will place you in your own land. This is more than just them coming back into the land and then being uh, under the dominion of uh, the Turks and the Ottoman Empire or the Romans or uh, you know, whoever else. This is, a, or the, the Greeks, here is a description of them once again being in their land, but the land is theirs. Land does not belong to somebody else, and they happen to be there. The same thing is repeated in verse 21. And, and then say to them, thus says the Lord God, surely I will take the children of Israel from among the nations, wherever they have gone, and will gather them from every side and bring them into their own land. The prophecy that they will once again be a nation, uh, a, a, a nation again, and uh, that they uh, will be their own uh, nation. Uh, this uh, prophecy here is we're going to read it in just a moment. In chapter 37, a prophecy of the rebirth, not only the return of the Jews to the land, but the rebirth of the nation of Israel. This prophecy was given some 2,600 uh, years ago, and uh, it is uh, unprecedented, this event, in all of human history. Never, ever in human history, never, have a group of people been displaced from their land uh, for 2,600 years and uh, not been absorbed by the other nations or lost their national identity, uh, and, and not only that, but then never have they ever then returned to a homeland that they have been separated from for 2,600 years. So it isn't like God is coming and saying, now listen, in this prophecy of chapter 37, just in terms of the astonishment factor, it isn't he saying, now listen, I'm going to do with Israel what I've done half a dozen other times in, 
in human history. This has never happened before because only God could accomplish what has happened here. It would happen all of the time unless uh, if, it, if it was something that we could accomplish. So this is a, a remarkable prophecy. Uh, in the Bible, it is a remarkable prophecy in human history and more remarkable because it's been uh, fulfilled in the lifetimes of many, uh, many in, in, in this uh, room. So they will not uh, come back to the land to be ruled by others, but the land will be uh, theirs. The circumstances of the prophecy that God gives to Ezekiel, remember Ezekiel is still in Tel Aviv, uh, 50 miles, uh, kind of a suburb out of uh, Babylon. Uh, he is in, in that place, and he receives now this prophecy from God, this vision from God to then communicate uh, to the captives there. And the hand of the Lord came upon me and uh, brought me out in the spirit uh, of the Lord. And so uh, the, he receives this revelation by, uh, from God and uh, by uh, God's power and revelation. And then uh, here is the vision that is set before him. Uh, God brought him out and then set him down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of dry bones. And so uh, he's put in that valley, and, and imagine it in your own uh, thinking here in terms of the vision, being put down in the middle of a valley, and it is wall to wall like carpet, uh, wall to wall with, uh, with uh, dry bones scattered all over the place. And uh, this is what he sees. And then the Lord caused him not to just continue to stand in the one place, but then to pass by them all around, to begin to walk in the midst of the bones, to examine them. And that's, here we are, and behold, uh, as he's examining them, obeying the Lord, he declares that there were very many bones in the open valley, and indeed they were uh, very dry. So uh, God has him walk around, examine the bones, and, and in order to uh, essentially, as he, he comes to the, uh, the, the fact that there are many, many bones here, and, and he looks at the bones with the idea of examining the, the completeness of the devastation that was brought upon the Jewish people and, and, uh, and to recognize that them ever becoming a nation again uh, was as, as hopeless, humanly speaking, of, of uh, that ever happening again as uh, these bones coming to life. In other words, God is communicating to Ezekiel and, uh, and to all of us in his word uh, that as a nation, they were as good as dead. No more likely to uh, uh, rise than a, a dead skeleton rising up and, and uh, taking on flesh and becoming a alive again. Uh, th that's the degree of the miracle that is, is before us in this particular chapter. It is interesting uh, to notice that these dry bones are representative of the nation of, of Israel and, uh, and their being uh, taken out of the land and uh, because of their sin and the Babylonian captivity and all of the different things that were subsequent to that. But uh, in the Jewish culture, uh, it, it, it is a shame for a, uh, a body to go unburied. Uh, they, will, they will bury their dead uh, the day that a person dies. 
And so, so you may have a relative die during the day and you will be attending a memorial service uh, that evening related to that, that loved one or that relative. And so it moves very, very quickly. But uh, even you might remember when there were those terrorist bombings that were going on in, uh, in Jerusalem that were solved by a wall, by the way, and they uh, stopped all of that with the infiltration of, of the terrorists from uh, the, uh, the uh, uh, other parts of, of the land and came in, and, uh, but when they would uh, blow up these buses and people's bodies would be blown to smithereens. Uh, the Jews were absolutely relentless not to leave a scene. They have special teams that do this, not to leave a scene until every single piece of Jewish flesh is lifted off of the ground and given a proper uh, burial. That's the high esteem that they have uh, for these uh, these. Uh, 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 issues. And so it, would, it was a complete humiliation for a Jew uh, it, it, to remain unburied, let alone for their body to remain unburied, uh, to where they would ultimately just be bones on the surface of the ground. And all of this spoke of, uh, of the humiliating circumstances of their idolatry, of their wickedness, and all that led to the loss of, of their homeland uh, to begin with. The bones were very dry, Ezekiel said. They've been there a long, long time. In other words, Israel, without a homeland for 2,600 uh, years, completely be- bleached dry in the sun, and uh, really kind of at the, uh, at the most advanced state of, of decomposition. And this represented their, their national uh, condition. And then uh, God said to Ezekiel, we've got a conversation going on here, and he said, son of man, uh, can these bones live? And uh, so I answered, oh, Lord God, uh, you know. <laughs> so you don't know what to say. Ezekiel's a little different than Peter. Peter got downright chatty in these kind of environments. I would have probably done the same thing. I'm not putting him down at all. But... Um, God is asking him, in other words, Ezekiel, do you see any uh, potential uh, for life in these bones? Do you see any potential here, outwardly speaking, humanly speaking, that Israel could ever be a nation uh, again? And Ezekiel's answer, O Lord God, uh, you know. And of course, the, the, uh, humanly speaking, the answer was no. But because it was God that was asking Ezekiel the question, Ezekiel wasn't going to answer for himself. Yes, for me, it would be an impossibility. Uh, but it, I'm not the only one in the conversation. You can do anything. And so, Lord, uh, you know uh, what, uh, you're the only one that can know whether such a thing can happen because nothing is too difficult for you. And again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones. And so again, Ezekiel is in this vision and again, called upon to do something very, very dramatic. Imagine prophesying uh, in something that is even worse than a cemetery. Uh, what if somebody were to see you prophesying uh, in a cemetery? They'd think you were crazy. And, uh, and, and yet here, God had Ezekiel do some very unusual things. And, and he said to him, prophesy to these bones and uh, say to them, O dry bones, hear uh, the word uh, of, of the Lord. 
And uh, so he's, he's called to prophesy to the bones, and, and thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and then you shall know that I am the Lord. And so God said that he was going to uh, uh, cause them to live once again. He put the flesh, the sinew, all of this on them and the miracle would be so great that uh, any uh, honest uh, observer or thinker would recognize this is something that only God uh, could have done. Ezekiel is is the the case all the way through the book of Ezekiel. He's immediately obedient to the Lord, and uh, so he begins to prophesy. And so I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise and uh, lots of activity now, and suddenly there was a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to bone. So don't imagine that you see uh, an entire valley that is filled with uh, skeletons that are intact. That's not what it is. Uh, This is way beyond that. This is bones of one body being scattered. The whole thing is a mix. And uh, so he begins to prophesy, and then these bones just start coming that belong to whatever body from all over the place, and uh, suddenly start to come together for him, and uh, bone to bone. Really something amazing to, uh, to have uh, witnessed. And uh, this, it's this passage of Scripture here that provided the inspiration for the old spiritual song, Dem Bones. And uh, so... I'm going to sing that for you right now as a <laughs> special treat for you. Uh, but some of you, you can, you can go online and, and find it. Uh, Ezekiel connected them, dry bones. Ezekiel connected them, dry bones. Come on, anywhere we want. We'll do it around, uh, right over here, this third, and then, and, but it goes on. Most of you are familiar with it, but uh, if you're not, uh, you should be. Uh, toe, bo- uh, toe bone connected to the foot bone, foot bone connected to the heel bone, and, and so forth. And the whole thing uh, comes out, dim bones, dim bones, going to walk around, dim bones, dim bones, going to walk around, dim bones, dim bones, going to walk around. Wait a second, am I rapping right now, or is, it, is, that, is that me? Is that just me, or did I get as close as a Scot can get to, uh, to rapping? And uh, now hear the word of the Lord. And so, so the, the song goes. And, um, and it, of course, it's used predominantly today to teach children the way kind of, of understanding how the bones are connected to one another in the human, in human body. But it is interesting, I think, that the song was written by a, a great African-American author and songwriter. His name was uh, James Wendell Johnson, and he wrote it in 1920. And uh, the purpose that he wrote it for, he drew inspiration from this passage, of course, uh, to communicate hope to the black, uh, to black Americans, that uh, what God had done for the Jews in, in the hopelessness of that situation, that uh, he could also do for them in the, their quest for equal rights under the, the laws of, of the United uh, States. And so uh, certainly, uh, you know, they, he didn't uh, borrow uh, this imagery and rob anything from the children of Israel and the prophecy, uh, the specifics of the prophecy in, in taking the truth of this passage. And remember, God said to Ezekiel, uh, can these bones live? And Ezekiel said, you know. And, it, and there's nothing wrong with looking at 
uh, any situation in our life uh, that we deem dead, uh, spiritually dead, loved ones in our life, a situation that is, is deemed hopelessly hopeless to never look at it and then conclude that it's completely hopeless as long as God exists. And so God knows what He's going to do in a given, a given situation. So um, it is a, a, a wonderful, uh, broader application of it without robbing at all uh, the central uh, thrust and, and focus of, of the passage. And then you notice in verse 8, the bones come together. I'm with you on this. this the rest of it gets a little uh, gutsy to me. Uh, indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them. And, and uh, my wife went to one of these things where, you know, they've got those, uh, uh, they put these bodies and they immerse them in the kind of plastic and different layers of, of peeling their skin and their uh, muscles back and the tendons and showing all of that kind of thing. She went with some friends, I would, I would never go to go see anything like, uh, something like that, I have no interest in it. I don't, want to, I don't want to see myself without skin. I don't want to see you without skin. I, have, I tell you, I have the highest respect for people in the medical profession uh, that can uh, take a scalpel and then open that up and begin to work with the innards. It is uh, really, really amazing uh, to me. But it starts to come together in that kind of a way and uh, uh, I, 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 do, I do think that Karen and her friends, when they went to see this particular exhibit in San Jose, that when they stopped for lunch, they uh, probably had a salad and not a roast beef uh, sandwich. But, but then the skin, this is where I like this, it gets to here. The skin then covered them over, but there was no breath in them. And so then God said to him, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. And so I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and stood upon their feet an exceedingly uh, great army. And so this uh, uh, prophecy that occurs, the, the calling of this, the breath now uh, finally comes, and uh, clearly it's the Holy Spirit that is able to give breath to these, these corpses. And so they lived, they stood, an exceedingly great army must have really been something for Ezekiel uh, to, to watch. And something like that happening to uh, a, a single dead body, let alone an entire valley of dead uh, bodies, again, communicating the implausibility of Israel ever becoming a nation again in the light of, of uh, uh, the consequences of, of their, uh, their sin. And then in verse 11, uh, God gives the interpretation of the vision. And then he said to me, son of man, uh, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Uh, they indeed say, our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. Now think about the level of regret. I think all of us have regretted sin in our lives. Um, I'd be surprised if all of us didn't. And, uh, but imagine here you are uh, known as the generation in Israel's entire history that went so far in your rebellion against God uh, that you end up losing the land of Israel. I mean, how's that for a stigma to have on a generation 
of God's people, and they had done that. And now as they're cast out and dispersed into Babylon and into other nations as well, uh, they're looking at at the shame of their past, and they're looking, saying, this is hopeless. What we have done is uh, irredeemable. There's there's nothing that... uh, that, uh, that, uh, but regret here. It can never, ever be uh, turned around. And this, uh, everything our hope has been uh, completely uh, lost. And therefore prophesy and say to them, uh, thus says the Lord God, speak to them in this hopeless condition. Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Imagine being in the place that they were in uh, after what they had done, the consequences of their sin, the regret that they were experiencing, and now to hear this promise from God that God was not through with them. God was going to uh, bring them back into the land. But more than that, as as we notice in, in just the next couple of verses, but to bring them into their own land. And he said, then you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up from your graves. I will put my spirit in you, and you shall live. I will place you again in your own land. And then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the uh, Lord. And so this promise, I'll put my spirit upon you. In other words, what's going to happen here is going to be a miracle uh, of God. We'll see a little bit later in verse 23 that the, the full uh, turning of the Jewish people uh, to God and trusting in Jesus for salvation, which is necessary for both Jew and Gentile for salvation, that that will uh, occur in its largest measure for them as a nation and as a people in, uh, in, in, in Jesus' uh, second coming. Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10 is a good verse uh, to supplement that with. And I will uh, pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication, and then they shall look on me, uh, speaking of Jesus, whom they have pierced. Yes, they shall mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. So you take the regret that the Jewish people uh, were feeling in Babylon over the loss of uh, the land of Israel, and, uh, and that will be uh, dwarfed by uh, the regret that they will one day fee- uh, experience when they realize at his second coming that he was the Messiah all along. I mean, think about it. Uh, the, the, the single population in the entire world that is the most hostile uh, to the gospel uh, is the Jewish people historically. And then to realize, wow, we had it completely wrong all of those years. It was you after all in the light of, of the Scriptures. And so uh, here, uh, though, is the promise that they will be restored to their land. And then God gives them, uh, through Ezekiel, the sign of the, the two sticks, uh, that when they go back into the land, they will, go, uh, they will come back into the land uh, and be one nation. So I don't want to get ahead of myself. He said, again, the word of the Lord came to me saying, as for you, son of man, 
take a stick for yourself and write on the stick for Judah and for the children of Israel, his companions. And so he writes on one stick uh, for Judah, which represents the southern kingdom uh, of Judah when it divided into the two kingdoms. Then take another stick and write on it for Joseph, the stick of Ephraim, for, and it represents all of the house of Israel uh, for uh, his, his uh, house of Israel, his companions. He, he refers to the northern kingdom of Israel uh, as Ephraim here because it was the largest of the tribes that constituted the northern kingdom of Israel. He doesn't say Judah and Israel because it would be confusing uh, uh, because they're all Israel. So he, he differentiates. It's a point of a, a technical point, but it might be of interest to a couple of you for why he uses the language. So Judah on the one stick representing the southern kingdom kingdom of Judah, Ephraim representing the uh, northern kingdom uh, of, of Israel. Uh, it, it, it is uh, good to remember that uh, as we've been studying in the Old Testament, to remember that when the children of Israel went into captivity, they did not go into captivity uh, at the same time. Uh, the, at the time that Solomon died, uh, he turned things over to a son by the name of Rehoboam. And Rehoboam was a young guy, and he was a hot shot, and uh, he thought that the way to endear himself to uh, the, the people of Israel was to play tough guy with them. And so Solomon died, and, uh, and all of these grand projects that Solomon had done, I mean, silver was counted as nothing in Israel at the time of, uh, of his reign. Gold was everything, the building projects. But as you're well aware, all of these kind of projects are uh, somebody's taxed in order, in order to produce these things. So the people had been very, very heavily taxed. Now Solomon has died, his son has come into place, and they come, I mean, with, with humility, with grace, and they plead with Rehoboam, would you please give us some relief from these taxes that your father had placed upon us? And uh, of course he was counseled, Rehoboam was by uh, his, the more seasoned counselors of his father. Listen to the people, back off on it. Their claim is legitimate and, uh, and, and uh, uh, heed what it is that they're saying. He then afterwards went and counseled with uh, people that were his own age and life experience and, and they said, now you gotta, you gotta be tough with these people right from the beginning and so they came back and he told them if you thought my father taxed you you ain't seen nothing yet and and uh, and so the ten northern tribes of Israel said that's it we're done and uh, they split off from the two southern tribes of Israel, Judah and Benjamin. Rehoboam held uh, control of that. Jeroboam became the king of the northern kingdom of, of Israel. The northern kingdom of Israel went uh, into captivity, as you might remember, ultimately to the Assyrians uh, because of their sin and wickedness. The southern kingdom of Judah went into captivity to the Babylonians 140 years later. But the significance of it is that when they ceased to be a nation uh, and they went into captivity, they were a divided nation at that time. Northern kingdom of Israel, southern kingdom of Judah. God is getting even more specific in his prophecy here of their restoration to the land and becoming a nation again. And the idea is that when you come back, you will not come back as you left. 
as two separate kingdoms kind of at war with one another. You, when, when I bring you back into your land, you will be a single nation uh, once again. And so the two sticks, were to ha- each of them representing the two kingdoms, and then uh, he, he, he said uh, in the middle of, of verse 19 there, and I will join them with it, with the stick of Judah, and make them one stick, and they will be one in my hand. So imagine a staff. So you've got uh, a stick, and this one is the Judah stick with a name carved in it, and then you've got the, the Ephraim or Israel stick here, and you've got this seam right here. And you kind of put your hand over uh, both of those, uh, that, that seam, and take your hand off, and now it's a complete uh, stick. No longer two, but one. And this is the imagery that, uh, that it, it is going on in, uh, in, in all of this. And so, um, and the sticks in which you, uh, on which you uh, write will be in your hand before their eyes. And then say to them, thus says the Lord God, surely I will take the children of Israel from among the nations wherever they have gone. And I will gather them from every side and bring them into their own land. And if you, one of the amazing things about a, a trip to Israel today is to realize uh, it's like, uh, the, uh, even among the Jewish people, it's like the United Nations. You've got Ethiopian Jews, you've got Iraqi Jews, you have Russian Jews, you have Jews from Europe, from the United States, they're from uh, all over the place. Uh, I remember one time we were on a trip and one of our uh, taxi drivers was, uh, I think he was a, 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 a Jew from America and uh, from Cleveland or something like that. And so we got to talking and, uh, and asked the question, well, how dangerous is it around here? He said, it's not dangerous at all. Uh, he, he says, you know, in, in Cleveland uh, or Chicago, uh, 15 people can be shot on a given night, and it never makes the headlines. Somebody throws a rock in Jerusalem, and, uh, and it's all the news. And uh, so that kind of distortion or the, the level of focus that's upon Israel. But, but Jews now in the land from all over the world and into their own land, as, uh, as, as God prophesied would be the case. And I will make them, and here it is, one nation in the land. This is the, the, the uh, fulfillment of the prophecy uh, of the two sticks. On the mountains of Israel, and one king shall be king over them all, and shall no, uh, they shall no longer be two nations, and shall nor shall they ever be divided into two kingdoms again. They shall not defile themselves anymore with their idols, nor with their detestable things, nor with any of their transgressions, uh, but I will deliver them from all their dwelling places in which they have sinned and cleanse them, uh, and then they shall be my people and I will be their God. So the Jews have come back, uh, come into the land, uh, certainly, as we've mentioned before, the Babylonian captivity uh, cured the Jews, uh, by and large, of uh, in their idolatry, uh, being uh, those 70 years in Babylon did that. And so the Jews today in the land, they are not idolaters. They are uh, 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 the one God. The name is escaping me at this particular point in time. So you've got... Um, it's hopeless, don't help me. Um, uh, so, but, but that's where they, uh, monotheistic. 
So they're absolutely monotheistic today. There's no, uh, no uh, uh, the, the, of this other kind of uh, idolatry uh, uh, going on. So the, God gives the interpretation, this is what is going to happen. It is interesting uh, uh, that Joseph Smith and the Mormons take this particular prophecy of Ezekiel 37, and they claim that uh, the two sticks represent the Bible and the Book of Mormon. And uh, I don't know what, what, I don't know what, I don't know how much soda you drank or uh, what to come up with that on things. He, he makes it as plain as can be what it is that he's, he's talking uh, about here. And so they, they'll return into the land. It'll be their land. Uh, it'll be one nation uh, again when all of this happens. And of course, uh, we realize that, that um, the, uh, this happened uh, historically historical event, May 14th, 1948. Uh, on that day, Israel was uh, restored as a nation, and uh, for uh, 71 uh, years now, or whatever it is, we, we hear the name of the nation of Israel over and over and over again. It's a part of our vocabulary. It's a part of, uh, at least on a weekly basis, being exposed to it uh, in the news and uh, and because we're so used to them being a nation in, in the land of Israel, in the Middle East, in their land once again, uh, as the 71 years have gone by, it's very easy to forget what a, a miracle of God and a fulfillment of prophecy uh, that it is. And you think about the timing in which God uh, brought them back into the land and made them a nation. It was after the Holocaust. Uh, fully six million Jews uh, uh, slaughtered and murdered um, in uh, Europe uh, during World War II in terms of, of uh, physically, numerically, uh, the toll that that uh, event took upon them. They're probably never weaker, uh, just about, in, uh, certainly in modern times. It would be like the very last, uh, you, would look, you would look at it and say, they may become a nation again. Uh, but it will not happen on the heels of the Holocaust. I mean, that's absolutely improbable in the, in the light of the weakened condition that they're in as a result of the Holocaust. And yet, it was if that very timing, at, at their weakest hour, God takes and, and uh, makes them a, a, a nation once again against all odds. Uh, there, I have books in my library, every pastor does, uh, that... Uh, take uh, written on uh, commentaries related to Ezekiel, written before 1948, and and it gives you a sense of privilege to read these uh, people because they're pre-1948, and they read this passage and they speak about. Keep your eye on Israel. It's going to be a nation again. The Jews are going to come not only back into the land, but they will become a nation again. It's the next step in the prophetic picture of the Word of God. And they, they held on to that. Uh, fulfillment of that prophecy. And here we have the privilege of being able to look back on it as, as a fulfillment. And uh, we won't, never want to lose our awe or sense of privilege of having uh, been able to see that in our times. So often as we um, go through the scriptures, uh, so many of the prophecies were fulfilled in ancient times. And many, many prophecies will be fulfilled in the future. 
And God is keeping His Word and His promises all the time, but these uh, prophetic element, and here's one that has been fulfilled uh, right within our lifetimes, and just a, an amazing, uh, you know, amazing how uh, the, uh, the prophetic element of the Bible testifies to uh, the divine inspiration of, of the Word of God. Never happened before in human history. Absolutely inconceivable that, uh, that, it, that it ever uh, uh, w- would. So uh, just a marvel to, to see it today. Now, um, the, uh, the, the body, the nation that's come into existence, and, uh, and, and, uh, and yet their, their recognition of Jesus as the Messiah, that is something that is, is yet future. Uh, that light is going to go on, perhaps at the midway point of the seven-year tribulation period, where the Antichrist allows them to rebuild their temple. At the, th- uh, the midway mark, the three-and-a-half year of the seven-year tribulation, uh, the Antichrist uh, then walks into the completed temple. He will walk into the Holy of Holies. He will sit down in that environment, and he will declare himself to be God and then demand to be worshipped as God. The Jews will, uh, will realize immediately uh, that they have been fooled by the Antichrist. I think for many of them the light will go on, uh, that, uh, that they've been fooled and that uh, Jesus is the Messiah. But certainly at the end of the seven years, at Jesus' second coming, uh, that, that uh, they're, they're going to recognize him uh, as, as their Messiah and uh, at that second coming and then on into the, the kingdom uh, age. And so here he talks about the spiritual dynamic that is uh, yet a future dynamic for this uh, reborn or this, uh, uh, this uh, restored uh, nation of Israel. Again, the second half, the, the final sentence of verse 23, and then they shall be my people and I will be their God. And David, my servant, uh, shall be king over them and they shall all have one shepherd, speaking of the thousand-year reign of Christ, and they shall also walk in my judgments and observe my statutes and do them. As we've seen a couple times before in the book of Ezekiel, whether this refers to uh, King David, literally, uh, he, he may, uh, uh, the Bible says for us as saints, Old Testament, New Testament saints, that during that kingdom age, we will rule and reign with him. And so it isn't uh, inconceivable at all that King David would be, uh, have as a part of what he kind of assists in the, the rule of the world uh, by Jesus and, and having the territory of, of Jerusalem under his oversight. This may also be, as we've seen before, a reference to Jesus himself as a descendant of the bloodline of, of David. Jesus, we know, is during that kingdom age, that thousand-year reign, he is going to rule and reign from uh, Jerusalem. Uh, but there will be uh, this, this spiritual enlightenment, uh, a recognition uh, of a shepherd uh, and a king one day. They, they do not have, since Israel has come into existence, they do not have uh, kings, but one day they will. And then, uh, then they shall dwell in the land that I have given to Jacob, my servant, uh, where your fathers dwell, and they shall dwell there. They, their children, and their children's children forever. 
and my servant David shall be their prince forever. And moreover, I will make a covenant of peace with them, and it shall be an everlasting covenant with them. I will establish them and multiply them, and I will set my sanctuary in their midst forevermore. My tabernacle shall also be with them. Indeed, I will be their God, and they shall be my people, and the nations will also know that I, the Lord, sanctify Israel when my sanctuary is in their midst uh, forevermore. And so, this uh, wonderful, beautiful uh, uh, prophecy and in terms of the sanctuary being in their midst forever, and uh, God will never again, after the point that's described here, ever be, uh, have to uh, remove His glory uh, from them as once He had, had been forced to do, and the whole world will, will recognize that it is the Lord that sanctifies um, Israel. And all that sets the stage then uh, for what looks to be in the immediate future, uh, prophetically, and that is uh, chapters 38 and 39, which uh, are kind of one uh, package, and we'll look at that um, in, uh, next time. Uh, prophecy, you know, the, the Bible, I, I like it. It, it, it. Sometimes you can look at things and say it's too clever by half, and it might be, but I still like it, where it talks about uh, history is his story. Uh, history is God's story, and He is in control of human history, and He is working everything in human history to His uh, God-appointed end. But prophecy is simply history in advance. Uh, when something is given prophetically in the Bible, there is never any doubt about it. It, it, it is, is it, it, we can read every prophecy in the Bible that is yet future and read it as if it has already happened. That's how sure it is. As Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will in uh, no wise uh, pass uh, uh, away. And so uh, these, uh, this amazing prophecy that we've seen fulfilled in, in our own uh, uh, days. I, I want to just uh, read with you just a, a number of passages here. Uh, we'll see how much time we have and still be able to close things up uh, on time. I want to just look at, uh, if you turn to John chapter 14, uh, with me into the New Testament and just read a couple of passages in the New Testament that speak of promises that God has given to us in the future and uh, the and the recognition that is surely as Israel exists as a nation in the Middle East today in fulfillment of, of uh, God's promise and prophecy so too uh, each of these prophecies will be fulfilled as well. Jesus in John chapter 4, verse 14. He said, let not your heart be troubled. Uh, chapter uh, 14, verse 1. He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. That is uh, a, a, a future appointment in the life of every Christian. It, it keep going to the right in uh, uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4.
in, in verse 13. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as those who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring him uh, with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first and then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and thus shall we always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. It's, not, it's a good place for hallelujah um, on, on that. It's going to happen as surely as Israel is in the land today. Second uh, Peter, a little further to the right, uh, chapter 3. Second Peter chapter 3. And, and, and these passages that we, many of us know so well, but to just stop and, and to re-experience them, reconnect and uh, absorb with, with the, 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 the marvel of what they describe and, and how sure it is as a part of our future. And Second Peter 3 verse 1 Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, uh, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder that you may be mindful of the words that were spoken by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord, of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, the scoffers will come in the last days uh, walking uh, according to their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they are willfully uh, forget uh, that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in the water by which the world that then existed perished being flooded with water. Uh, but the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are preserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. And the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens and will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the heavens and the works that are in them will be burned up. And therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat." And then here's the verse we're waiting for. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Just one more, just one more. Very end of the Bible, Revelation chapter 21. Revelation 21 verse 1. 
And John writes and he said, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and also there was no more sea. And then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There will be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. And then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the foundation uh, of uh, the the fountain, rather, of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. And he who overcomes shall inherit all things. And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. One day, every single one of us as Christians will look back on these prophecies as events that have been fulfilled and have occurred as fully as Israel exists as a nation in the world today in fulfillment of Ezekiel chapter 37. Let's stand together now and we'll close in prayer. Father, only you can know such things 2,600 years in advance. We can hardly count to 2,600, and let alone, Lord, then to produce the fulfillment of this. And we just stand in awe tonight of how you were able to overwhelm the absolute hopelessness of the condition of Israel, and against all human odds, return them to their land and not merely return them, but to return to a land that belongs to them. And what a marvelous thing to be able to study tonight, again, Lord, the, the uh, witness of prophecy and fulfilled prophecy to the divine inspiration of your word. Only you could do it. Thank you for the privilege of studying this passage tonight. Thank you for all of your promises. Thank you that all of them are yea and amen. They will all come to pass. Thank you for the peace that is ours, Lord, the joy that is ours, the hope that is ours, the confidence that is ours in life as a result of that. Not our strength, not our faithfulness, but your strength and your faithfulness. We bless you tonight for this time together in worshiping you in song and the study of your word. And we bless you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.